This is the I Read Comic Books podcast. I'm Tia, your host for this very special mini-sode. We asked our amazing listeners to make donations in support of the protests calling for racial justice, and a huge thanks to Mariah Ludwig for unlocking this interview with Stephanie Hans, who is the artist of the incredible series Die from Image, co-created with Karen Gillan. And uh, she's also done work for Marvel and Dark Horse and pretty, I mean, I feel like you've done pretty much all of it, haven't you, Stephanie? I did. And certainly a few of the ones that you don't know because they're French. Oh, right. We should definitely just do another episode about like French stuff. Oh my God. This will be a long one because there's (laughs) so much to say about it. Not a lot of good things though. Oh, well, then it'll be a spicy episode. <laughs> so um, some people may not have read Die. And uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, the premise is that there is a group of teenagers in the 90s and they're playing uh, a game, an RPG sort of similar to Dungeons and Dragons, but completely original. And they sort of get whisked into the world of the game Jumanji style. And then uh, a handful of years later, most of them return back to the real world, except for one. And then years later, as adults, they all kind of get sucked back into it. And it's very beautiful and very dramatic. And there's also the actual game that you can play that uh, Karen and Stephanie developed. And so fingers crossed that it doesn't actually whisk anyone away because the couple of times I've played Die, it's gone to some pretty crazy worlds. I don't know about you, Stephanie. Well, oh, to be honest, I only played once. Uh, oh, with Kieran, actually. I think it was still better testing it, but uh, that was actually very entertaining. Yeah. Was, was it the time in New York Comic Con where yeah, you guys you came there. to Comics All? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was super fun. Yeah, we got we got eaten by like giant coffee coffee makers, I think, or something. Yeah. It was and yeah. like every good games uh, to which I ever played, everything turned uh, burnt in the end. It's true. Yes, we we turned to murder very fast in that game. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you you're a nerd like going way back, right? I wouldn't say I was a nerd. I was a geek, for sure. Nerd uh, was a bit too techy for me. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, like definitely a geek. Like There was no word for geek when I was a geek. I, I've seen every, every bad movie that became cult later. <laughs> and I, I begged my mother to offer me the, um, the whole collection of Stephen King and the one he wrote under uh, Richard Bashman. Uh, before when I was 14. took me a couple of months to read everything. Do you bring that element of kind of uh, geek nostalgia when you're doing your work on Die? Uh, Well, pretty much because uh, there is is some nostalgia in Die, especially when it comes to the design. Um, the design of each character is based on the way they saw um, themselves back in the 90s. And so, you know, a lot of, a lot of these uh, costumes are directly um, 
um, created out of, of um, popular um, movies, for example, or characters. Like the, the main character has a dress which is directly inspired by the dress from Legend. I thought so. Yeah, the directly inspired, really. Straight out of I- it love that dress i <laughs> both the original and your interpretation of it love that dress thank you and there are also like you know uh it's always funny when uh, uh, people talk to me about it because sometimes i forget but uh one of the character has his whole design inspired by um uh george Ma- uh, george michael you know during the fake mm-hmm. um album and it was just so bling bling and everything. You know, most of these characters would hate those designs now, but they are still stuck with it. <laughs> well, you're the boss of them, so. <laughs> yeah, like I, it's my aim to uh, be able to design them in the way that they would like, like right now. I already started to do some some changes, like obviously for Ash. Uh, that, the, yes. That was stunning. Like I gasped when I saw that. Thank you. It was uh, inspired by um, the um, uh, fashion designer Obeka. I will have to look that up. Yeah, it's like dreamy dresses, really. But I feel like, you know, I was a big fan of like the 1602 Angela costume that you designed. And I mean, I just, I feel like there is such attention to detail and you could really see the real world influences like the costumes that you design make a lot of sense i think i tried to you know for me it was always very frustrating um when i had to draw a character that i like otherwise like for marvel i remember like once there was a character and and i asked directly the editors like okay this is metal penty how does she (laughs) and I was literally answered magic. Yeah. Like, no, that doesn't make sense. What about chefing? What about, uh, you know, uh, yeast infection? <laughs> you know, I a long time ago did a cosplay of Angela and the boots. Like, how do you have over the knee metal boots? I know. I know. <laughs> you know, when, it come, uh, when I was uh, drawing her, I would actually add an articulation but i know i had so many cosplayers writing me about it (laughs) how do they work it's like i don't know i didn't design them (laughs) yeah i think what i ended up doing is yeah i had like two separate pieces and so Mm -hmm. and and it was like from the knee down and then a part came up over the thigh so that when i bent my knee it would lift up (laughs) But you you really didn't have any choice with this. Oh, it was like a nightmare to figure that out. And it was a a false front, too. I did the front to look like metal, and then the back was just stretch PVC. (laughs) Because she has this, the butt skirt covers up a multitude of sins. That, too. Uh, that, that was not comfortable. <laughs> I it was not. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you you when I I did the designs for sixteen oh two, I really had a lot of fun because it was the first time I was trusted to actually um, do original costumes, and I, I have a lot of reference books at home. So 
I just opened them and like uh, browsed them for a while. I really love that doing the reference work. Uh, you know, it's it's just hard work. You just open the books and put a, a lot of post-its everywhere. Like, oh. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that because I know that Kieran does a ton of research when he's writing these books. And I was wondering... Uh, you know, what your process for that is, because um, he seems like he is pretty collaborative. And so like his research isn't necessarily something you have to follow and that you're, you know, kind of free to make your own contribution. So how do you approach that? Well, uh, rather instinctively, I would say. But Kieran basically comes with um, ideas that are in the same time sharp and vague. You know, like, oh, this is a robot with the kind of um, of uh, outfit that you can have in the army, in the Prussian army, in in First uh, World War. You know, right. and this is in the same time very vague and very precise. You know, and so I will just try to make it work. And honestly, I wouldn't say why it works, but I think it's the same. I was using this analogy a few days ago. Like if you ask two artists or three or as many as you want, really, uh, to draw a cat, uh, like any cat, the cat, something that that's the, the, the most catty cat ever. And they will all draw a different cat. Right. But and I think for me, it's the same. It's like, a, you ask me to draw a robot, I will I will draw the robot. But in the end, it's still mine. We've talked a little bit before, just, you know, between the two of us about your style and how distinctive it is. Um, and it's really effective at conveying emotions. Mm-hmm. And so is that something that you really set out consciously to do when you developed your style? Or did it kind of evolve along with you as you grew into being an artist i think well i cannot talk for everyone but for me at least uh as a growing artist or as a young adult uh, i was quite solitary and i used to um how say um i put a lot of myself in each each drawing you know and telling me myself a lot of stories about the the characters I was drawing and I was always impersonating them, sometimes even creating dialogues and like sub stories. And so uh, I try, I don't know if it's really conscious, but each time I draw something like my, my coworkers, they are, uh, they are always um, very amused by it because I do a lot of grima- uh, of faces when I draw. Because I, I I always am so much into it that I'm basically I'm acting the scene, you know. Right, that's and... so interesting. <laughs> like, yeah. do you find in general that you're like a very kinesthetic person? I mean, I've I've spent time with you. You you have a lot of energy, but um, like you know, some people they're more the way that they learn is they have to be more active and stuff like that. Is that kind of how you? I'm a sponge, really. Like uh, I, th- so there is this thing. I cannot recognize people. I have a, a, what they call prosopagnosia. Yes. Uh, uh, but apparently, uh, all that free space in my head is taken by everything else. I have some. Uh, I don't have idea uh, memory, 
but I can still uh, um, like recite some parts of books that I read that I really like, you know. And yeah. so I just remember a, a whole lot of everything I see, but not the faces. Right. No, we've discussed. I can never change my hair. I'm gonna think. I'm gonna just wear my spiky tiara every time I see you. Oh, please. <laughs> yeah, that's. Um, no, I mean, I've I've sat next to you while you've painted before, and it's really incredible to see how you bring these characters to life. And um, I, do you? I know that when you're like at conventions and doing commissions, you work in watercolors. What are what are your favorite mediums to work with? I do love watercolors. Really, it's it's very it's very lively and it's very forgiving. You know, you can you can always come back to it. Now, the one I use, at least. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say watercolors are forgiving. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe it's just the way I use them. But uh, I'm not exactly using watercolors. I'm using watercolor inks, which is not exactly the same. It's liquid. Uh-huh. Like, uh huh. And so you can actually put layers over layers and never get uh, grainy or brownish. So it is quite forgiving. Well, you I have always really admired the very vivid colors in your in your paintings, so that uh makes a lot of sense. Do you think that you would ever attempt uh watercolor sequentials? I actually did a while ago, but uh, it takes so much time. And yeah. It would work if I could only do characters, but I cannot do backgrounds with watercolors. It becomes too much. I'm sure. Yeah. We would need to hire you like an atelier of background <laughs> people to apprentice like in the Renaissance nice. or the manga studios. Minions. Oh, yes. you're me. Yes. <laughs> I love minions. <laughs> They're very handy. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like you have to switch to different parts of your brain when you work on covers versus sequentials? I will say you're one of my favorite cover artists. Well, it's definitely not the same work. Um, um, it's not the same. As... So basically, uh, there is uh, for sequential sketching and painting. Sketching takes uh, all my concentration. I cannot listen to anything. I cannot do anything else than just sketching. I really need to be 100% focused. This is the same process as the cover, like creating the cover. Now, for the painting, I can actually watch, binge watch uh, shows while I paint because this is just application of techniques. And I'm not thinking about anything. Like, it's, uh, how can I say? Uh, basically, if I don't binge watch something on the side, I get bored while I, I paint. Right. Yes, because it's just uh, it's just it's really just technique. So my brain gets like it wanders, and suddenly I need to I, I think about something, and suddenly I need to Google it. So if <laughs> and yeah. I use four hours because uh, there is nothing that just takes five minutes it doesn't exist with me um so i need to watch something on the side 
Otherwise, I cannot work for a very long time. What have and you been... Go oh. ahead. No, and the, for, for the cover, it's the same. So when I, I'm creating cover, um, so it's still not a process, but it's a process where I need to think about like 100%. Um, it depends on the cover. So basically, you have some covers that are more like pinups, like, uh, you know, just one character, very simple background. Right. Uh, iconic. This is uh, what you do the most for um, variant covers. Uh, now, for regular covers, that's another process because you're going to be there for a long time, uh, like four, five, six uh, covers. So you need to talk about the story inside the book. And what you want to do when you do a cover is you want to uh, call the, the reader, but not any reader, the right reader, the one that would be interesting, uh, interested in that kind of book. Um, then you have the composition. You need to have something that um, can be seen from far away, let's say. Uh, I need to have a cover that works in thumbnails because uh, very often people will see it in the rack and they won't have the, the time, you know, when you just browse things. Like if it's not very easy to read from far away, okay, it's too much information and they will just skip it. Then you have also the meaning. Like you need to tell enough of the story to make it entertaining, but also leave some room for serendipity or something. And then you also have the, uh, we'll say, uh, you know, um, every period has uh, some kind of um, trend. And right. Be aware of what is happening with other publishers or other titles, because your book is going to be in the middle of a whole lot of covers and people need to be able to see it even in the middle of them. So that's the job of a cover artist. That's really another job. I feel like you should like teach a course on how to make <laughs> great covers because that, you know that's all very thoughtful and, and methodical, and I think would help a lot of people that are trying to practice, you know, mm, covers. Yeah. I, I was not a very instinctive um, artist. So I had to think a lot about it. Like I, I was basically, I had facilities with um, composition and colors. Uh, so of course, covers were, uh, were was a good niche for me. But I had to really think about what would make it work. And this is this is my recipe, at least. Well, I think it's been great because I if you ask me to name some of my favorite covers, like I immediately think of a lot of the journey in a mystery and things like that. And the die covers, like they're so architectural, that design with the deconstructed die and how the colors, you know, and the like, uh, I guess almost negatives sometimes yes. with the, with the colors, like it's all really complex. Can you talk a little about kind of formulating the, yeah. the style of the die covers? So basically, when uh, we decided to work on a title together and we knew what would be in the book with Karen, I, I knew from the beginning that I wanted to put uh, the die uh, the dice directly on the cover. 
like um, something hidden in, in, in full sight in, in a way um, for two reasons. The same way that Kieran writes die on the cover and knows that people won't understand that it's a dice. Right. And it's exactly the same in a way. But also it makes the cover very easy to identify and very easy to spot. So it works very well in any case. And it also makes the cover very graphical, um, which is a good thing because um, my drawings are a bit too intricated for T-shirts, but mm. that cut out the, the shape of the deconstructed dice. So that works. Always got to think about the merchandising too. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought a lot about it. I saw someone had like printed and deco- like and cut it up and and like <laughs> made the die. It was it was yes. pretty it was pretty neat. A few people do that, and they will be always a bit disappointed because I cheated a bit. <laughs> no, because Are- it, it would not exactly fit the the size of the of a comic book cover, so I had to elongate it, it a bit. Not really a tiny bit, but just enough for when you try to fold it properly, it won't be proper. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, the first time I saw someone do it, I asked Karen, how long will it take? To, do you think it would take to people to realize it's not their fault? Well, hopefully they're, they'll listen to this episode and they'll understand. <laughs> they call that like poetic license exactly i think that and if you're doing it for a a valid reason like you need it to fit on the cover that's a valid reason that's different than just being bad at your job (laughs) otherwise there would be like a a a part of the cover that would be empty that would be nice no yeah you have (laughs) to have like an aesthetic balance i think you did a great it was a good decision, I think. Yeah. It was really funny, actually, because basically when um, I decided to put the dice on the cover, um, I downloaded several... Uh, basically, there are a couple of models for uh, deconstructed D20. Uh, and one of them is just like a line with a few denters, uh, not that you're dents. Um, and the other one looks like two, two, um, I would say, uh, Jewish stars. So it was like neither of them would work. And, and so it took me an afternoon, a pair of scissors and a lot of patience. (laughs) But that was a good thing because this way I was also sure it was our design and nobody could say, oh, you stole my my uh, origami or something. Right, right. Well, I mean, I feel like I, j- you know, I'm so constantly blown away by how thoughtful every element is that you put into your artwork. It really shows. And um, I just I'm so excited that you're on like a book and doing sequentials because they're just lovely to see. And, you know, you really need, I think, a style like yours to carry you through such an emotional story. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I guess so. It's very gothic. Sometimes a a bit too black, maybe, but uh, it is Impossible. Impossible. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, it's kind of a bummer that 
there's no travel right now. There's no conventions right now. Are you uh, just sort of plugging away at the third arc of Die for now? Yeah, so definitely. Uh, I'm at the office every day, even the weekends now. Uh, I'm working very hard. That's well, a good thing, you know. It keeps your mind busy. There are a lot of strange things happening in in life right now. Um, so it's good. It's good to be busy. It is. It is. But you know, make a little time for some work life balance in there if you can. Yeah, I actually bought myself on a cruise quest. <laughs> I saw you were posting about that. How's that going? <laughs> That's just insane. You know, at first, I only bought it to um, do some 3D painting. Like, uh, I started to do the the costumes of Dai in 3D. And so, like, I, I'm going to publish them at the moment or another. It's very funny to do. Uh, and this is exactly why I bought it. But then I downloaded Beat Saber. And, <laughs> and that was a mistake, but a good one. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're finding ways to stay, you know, entertained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, also living um, oh, in France, where there are a lot of cafes and terraces everywhere. So it's it's still a bit weird because you can still see that people wear masks, not everywhere, but when you go in shops or in restaurants uh, you still have to wear masks it's like almost like before not exactly cinemas yeah. are actually opening in, in a couple of days yeah yeah there's uh i think that we're getting on to phase two of the openings here in new york but i still refuse to leave my apartment i just <laughs> i don't trust anybody out there not enough people are wearing masks to to make yeah. me comfortable enough to go out. So I'm still getting groceries delivered. And I bought a little like p- a miniature uh, stepper machine so I could get my steps in in my apartment. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I almost bought one, to be honest. It's great. I highly recommend it. But, you know, yeah, I I do miss out there. I miss you guys. miss my friends. <laughs> I miss conventions. So I know. No, it's like the only one of the only places in the world where you can actually go, like fully dressed, like you know, um, dressed up to the nine, like weird. And however you want. Yeah, you cannot do that anywhere anymore. Even in weddings, people are like, "Oh, it's a casual." What? What do you mean casual? Like, (laughs) what's what's the point? Like, at least give me a wedding to wear like my super nice dresses. I can do that in conventions. I promise if I ever have a wedding, it will be the, the most formal occasion <laughs> that we can put together. <laughs> Just course. for you. Just for you. Uh, I will come with my chrome. <laughs> Maybe my fingers too. No, you, 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 oh, well, I'll say you cannot, uh, you are not supposed to outdress the, the, the bride, but you cannot, you can never be outdressed. You know, well, I appreciate that. But really, I think I just would be happy to have all my friends together for a party. We'll just throw a wedding, but nobody's actually getting married. And we'll all just get, <laughs> get dressed up and buy a big cake and dance. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Let's do that next time. Yeah, that's, that's going to be our next convention party 
is a wedding for no one. Oh, I wish it would be tomorrow. I know. We'll make it happen. Yes. So before we uh, wrap things up, I'll just mention to everyone that volumes one and two of Die are available and issue 11 will be out at some point later this summer, I think. Yeah, actually, you just get my um, icons yesterday. Oh, great. Okay, oh, I actually am seeing June 24th, which is, as of this recording, pretty soon. So, cool. And where can people find you on the internet if they were so inclined to give you, follow you and keep track of all your amazing work? These days, I'm only on uh, Twitter and maybe Instagram because I have too much work. And I don't post a lot on Facebook and I closed my website, but I'm going to rebuild it. Okay. That's a promise. I'll put a link to your social media in the show notes if people want to check it out. Sure. Well, Stephanie, I miss you. Thank you so much for spending some time and thank you again to Mariah for unlocking the episode. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. I will see you at the wedding. <laughs> It will never be soon enough. No.